And you might wonder, well, what is there hope for someone who's going through PTSD? And something really interesting that I learned is that because the nervous system is connected in this way, we can use these same connections to help us recover from an episode or even just from regular like anxiety, anger, or stress. On this episode of The Creator Community, we'll meet Peyton Lynch, a Disney senior product manager with a mission to turn trauma into triumph for so many. We'll learn how the tragedy of 9-11 has played a central role in her life with her husband in helping them grow, the impact of post-traumatic stress disorder, and how empathy training has helped her evolve and overcome adversity across her life. We'll also follow Peyton's journey to how this ultimately led her to publishing her new book, Rise from the Ashes. Check it out. Welcome to the second season of The Creator Community. This is a new podcast series from book publisher New Degree Press, or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders, founder of Forward Advisory Solutions. The show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,000 published authors. In this show, we'll get to know the authors and their books, as well as give you a behind-the-scenes look at their journey. We'll find out what it takes to bring a book from an idea actually being published and available wherever you buy books online. It's far from easy, but not impossible. Today, I have with me Peyton Lynch, author of Rise from the Ashes, Stories of Trauma, Resilience, and Growth from the Children of 9-11. Peyton is a senior product manager at The Walt Disney Company. From a young age, storytelling has been an important part of her life, teaching her to understand and engage audiences. In 2020, she decided to take the plunge and dedicated herself to sharing the inspiration she has gained from her husband, and other 9-11 surviving children. When Peyton is writing, you can find her playing in the Disney parks or traveling in her Airstream trailer with her husband, John. Peyton's book will hit the shelves summer 2021, early September, and will be available wherever you buy books online. Peyton, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, John, for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's completely my pleasure. Well, we heard a little bit about your background. Could we, could we dig in a little bit more? How did you get from you know, where you were early on in life to where you are in your career today and and what's that journey been like? Yeah, absolutely. So again, my name is Peyton Lynch and I'm the author of Rise from the Ashes. And um, as you shared, I am a senior product manager at the Walt Disney Company, the Walt Disney Company. And even I get excited when I hear <laughs> that um, because it was my dream to work here for as long as I can remember. Um, you know, I was very fortunate in my childhood. I'm uh, the oldest of five kids so there's a lot of us. Um, and the only time we were ever really all happy at the same time was when we were traveling to Walt Disney World. <laughs> so, I have so many fond memories um, in the place, as, as well as just that time, that quality time with my family. And one of the most distinct things I remember is the way the cast members made me feel when I visited as a child and even as an adult. And I knew I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to work in the service industry and be able to make others feel the way that I had felt for so long about um, this incredible brand and, and this incredible company. So uh, I actually ended up leaving a full-time salary job in my hometown of Allentown, Pennsylvania, in order to take a six-month internship at the Walt Disney Company. Uh, it was super that's, risky. That's commitment. <laughs> Yeah, it was terrifying. And I was newly married at the time. Um, my husband, John, he had worked for the company years before we ever had met, but actually moved home to Allentown uh, where we met. And, you know, he was like, I don't know if I want to go back. You know, I, I've done I've done that, been there, done that. 
And I was like, please, I didn't get to do the college program or any of those experiences. So my time was really running out um, to get my foot in the door. At least that's the way I felt. Um, And luckily he took a chance on me too. And we moved our lives um, down to Orlando. He didn't even have a job at the time. Uh, But yeah, it, it was definitely a leap of faith. And I'm so glad I did it because you know, now we both work for the company. Um, my six month internship turned into a year where I was doing marketing for the floral and gifts department at Walt Disney World. And uh, among working with several different partners on different projects, I was scooped up by the tech and digital team that I work for now. So for the past five years or so, I've been working on our websites and apps um, for our parks experiences. Uh, For two and a half years, I worked on the Disney Cruise Line Navigator app. So was very busy this past year getting us back to sailing safely. And now I'm working on the My Disney Experience app. So if you ever visit us in Orlando and use any of those apps, um, you'll get to see the incredible work my team does. I have to say, as a person who's taken my kids to Disney once or twice, uh, I'm a huge fan of the app. It makes the experience yeah. <laughs> so much easier. And, you know, the whole getting the passes and getting into the different rides, uh, it's incredible. Well, talk about commitment and passion for creation and creativity, this journey you went on and going all in on getting to Disney. And here you are many years later with a very successful career there. And then you saw creation as, as something to continue with, you know. You've written a book. I mean, that's incredible, Peyton. And congratulations, by the way. Thank you know, you. can you share with us a little bit about that journey? How did that come to be? And you know, how did you get from this idea to to your published book? And yeah, absolutely. So um, again, you know, all these things sort of came together to create the perfect storm, a good storm for me to write this book. And um, I was actually participating in a podcast interview from my um, alma mater, DeSales University in Pennsylvania. And it was, it was supposed to be a podcast just about, you know, my experiences as a student at the university and how that propelled me into my career. Um, and the podcast was actually hosted by a friend of mine and a fellow author, uh, Carla Quintanilla. She also went through the Creators Institute and is about to publish her book as well. Um, and so as we were preparing for the session, Carla and I got chatting. She's worked for Disney, so we have that common bond as well. Um, and she started talking about how she was writing this book at the Creators Institute. And, you know, I, I thought that was so interesting. And I confided in her that I was interested in writing a book. Um, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to write on. I just knew this was a passion of mine. And then, you know, as these things happen, I don't know if this happens to you, but my best ideas come at 3 a.m. when I really need, you know, a tablet handy to write everything Keep down. Keep a pen nearby, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yes. Um, and so I actually woke up with this idea and um, I woke my husband up at three in the morning that day. And, you know, I'm like tapping on the shoulder. I'm like, wake up. Like, I think I need to write a book. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Go to sleep. You know, (laughs) it's 3 a.m. He's like, what's this crazy lady waking me up for? Um, But I couldn't keep that idea out of my head. You know, I just, I latched onto this now. So I reached out to Carla and she was like, you should talk to this Eric Custer guy. And I'm like, I don't know who that is, but he sounds great. And, And now, you know, having gone through the program, I can see just how incredible he is and, and the fruits of the incredible work he's done here. Um, and so once I got to chatting with him, I learned more about Creators Institute and how we could work together. And he had told me that, you know, we could have a published book by the late summer, um, August 2021, which is what we're on track for now. And 
when we talk a bit more about the topic of the book, you'll see how that timing couldn't be more perfect um, and truly serendipitous. So from there, I really just took advantage of everything that the Creators Institute has to offer. I mean, that whole classroom setting and that being able to learn with that group was crucial to the development of my book and this whole process, um, being able to collaborate with my editors and fellow authors and helping, working with them to help set those those hard goals, right? Because as you mentioned, writing a book, it's achievable, but it's not always easy, especially if you're working a full-time job and you have other commitments. But being able to work with people who are just as dedicated as I am to making this dream a reality was the absolute best thing I could have asked for out of this entire experience. So you worked with Eric for six months. Then, as I recall, did uh, the, the pre-sale funding campaign. If I recall correctly about your journey, Peyton, you, you raised two times the amount of money you needed for publishing costs. Is that right? That's right. Yes, we raised um, $12,000 um, and it was just incredible. We were fully funded in the first 24 hours, which I just never anticipated. But I think it really speaks to this topic of this book and just the community of folks I had around me and everything that Creators Institute you know, instilled in me to be able to um, propel this forward. And in doing so, we were also able to raise $4,000 for Tuesday's Children, which is an organization organization that's really near and dear to my family's heart as they um, were created out of uh, the 9-11 tragedy and now have gone on to support 9-11 families as well as other folks impacted by war violence. So you were coached through the manuscript phase, you were coached through a pre-sale campaign, you, dare I say, crushed it, uh, <laughs> and then were able to also donate money to an organization very meaningful to you. That's incredible. Uh, and now going to have a book, published book here at the end of summer 2021. Uh, so you mentioned Tuesday's Children, obviously a reference to 9-11 and the tragedy that happened on that day. Now, how did 9-11 become particularly important to you and your family? Yeah, so it it might seem like an odd connection, right? Disney cast member, why a book about 9-11? Um, well, it actually came about because my husband, Jonathan Lynch, is the son of Robert Henry Lynch Jr., who was the property manager at Two World Trade in New York City. Um, so on 9-11, my father-in-law called home. He actually called home to say that he was safely out of the buildings when the attacks happened. And unfortunately, that was the last my husband and his family would ever hear from him. Uh, it took weeks um, to learn anything else. And they unfortunately never recovered, um, my father-in-law. But what they did learn from others that saw him there that day was that he did go back inside to help others evacuate. And so he did lose his life saving others. Um, in 2005, he was honored with a Medal of Valor from George W. Bush, um, something that my husband and his family accepted in his memory. Uh, the award was actually given to public safety officers who were killed in the line of duty on September 11th. And even though my father-in-law, he was a civilian and he was still honored with this award, which is uh, an incredible testament to the person he was and the legacy he left behind. And I, I will never forget when my husband shared the, his story with me because when we first started dating in 2013, I didn't know this. And my husband is the most happy-go-lucky person on the planet. Um, so I just, I couldn't imagine that this could have happened to someone like him. Um, but I knew from that moment that despite, and maybe because of his tragedy, he was a more resilient and compassionate person. And so, you know, I, I, 
kept that in the back of my brain. I always knew this about my husband, but then, you know, 2020 hit us. There was this little thing called a pandemic that happened. You might've heard of it. And then in the midst of all all that, um, my husband lost his job and, uh, we were continuing to struggle with a battle with infertility. And I just knew that I needed to tap into that resiliency and compassion and growth that my husband had been able to tap into over the past 20 years in order for me to get through um, my own suffering and realize that this is really a story for anyone who's going through a challenging time and, and that we could all benefit from this message. He was a property manager in the World Trade Center, left the building and went back in to help others get out. Uh, yep. Incredible. That's really lovely that the government uh, uh, gave him the, the Medal of Valor. That's unbelievable. And, and talk about, you know, you, I think we've all heard the term post-traumatic stress disorder. And if we haven't lived with someone or known someone well that's lived through that experience, you know, we might not know that much about it. You know, what would you say you've learned about PTSD? Yeah, uh, so many things. And I'll, I'll try to um, summarize as much as I can. And actually, I was able to speak with um, Kay Thomas. She's an associate professional clinical uh, counselor at North County Lifeline. And I spoke with her in the research for this book. And she was able to shed the best light on this, I feel, um, talking about how post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, grief and trauma, it's actually tied into our nervous system. So this disorder is when a person is recovering, having difficulty recovering after experiencing or witnessing a terrifying event. And a lot of times it does play out in physical ways that we don't expect. Um, And there are many triggers we encounter, which are oftentimes physical in nature. And, you know, the best example Kay gave me was imagine you're walking down the street and you're assaulted by someone who's wearing Calvin Klein cologne. And then a few weeks later, you're in the grocery store, you smell that Calvin Klein cologne again, and you go into that fight or flight flight mode. And you now associate that smell with danger. And so this is the same thing that's happening for folks who are undergoing post-traumatic stress disorder. This is a normal reaction. It's meant to keep us safe, um, but it's built into our systems and it can really become detrimental when it continues past 30 days or so. This can sound really um, upsetting to hear all of this. And you might wonder, well, what is there hope for someone who's going through PTSD? And something really interesting that I learned is that because the nervous system is connected in this way, we can use these same connections to help us recover from an episode or even just from regular like anxiety, anger, or stress. Uh, and so I spoke with one of the 9-11 surviving children. She mentioned that she always takes a hot shower when she needs to calm down. And I thought there might be a correlation here. And so when I spoke with Kay, she said, absolutely. You know, using that physical response to try to bring yourself back into the present moment is a great way to bring yourself out of one of those episodes. And so whether that's running um, cool water or an ice cube in your hand, or just, you know, taking a moment to take inventory of a room and, or count how many of an object is there or things like that, taking those physical reactions and, and bringing them into your body are a great way to start to bring yourself out of um, PTSD. So almost like de-triggers, if you will. So there's these triggers like the cologne example you shared, and there's things we can learn and develop to 
detrigger ourselves. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. And there's a lot we can do as well. You know, I call it the offensive and defensive, and I'm not a sports person at all. So I probably won't get this all correct, but you know, there's defensive things I need to do in order to keep myself safe. So if that's hiding certain things on social media, so it doesn't pop up in my newsfeed, that's defensive, but offensive is are, are doing these things that can help to recenter me, whether that's the cold ice cube or taking a moment to recollect my thoughts. Um, those are things that we can help to recover. I help keep those triggers at bay, if you will. Absolutely. Wow. That's incredible. Thanks for sharing those examples. Uh, so certainly not easy to overcome, but it's great that there's some tools and resources out there that you're offering the world to, to help deal with these circumstances, not just for 9-11 survivors, but you know, we have this post-traumatic stress, stress disorder can be caused by a number of things. You know, you also talk about post-traumatic growth in your book. Can you, you tell us a little bit about that? That's a term I don't many or myself included are not familiar with. Yeah, this is where I think the beauty comes from these really challenging times. And, you know, again, I, I spoke to so many incredible people throughout this book. So I'll mention as well, Stacey Boyer. She's a licensed mental health counselor in Coral Springs, Florida. And she actually worked with folks who were impacted by the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School mass shooting in 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, and she just sums it up post-traumatic growth so perfectly as it's that growth that someone experiences after trauma and it can manifest in so many different ways. But what I have found is that it often means stronger relationships with those around them, a heightened self-esteem, which might sound incredible. It's not what we expect to find in folks who have encountered PTSD, um, and also that there's a sense of deeper purpose for their lives. So if you look at the folks who came out of the Stoneman Douglas um, tragedy, many of them went on to start the March for Our Lives organization. Um, and so there is this beauty that comes out of the pain and it, it doesn't make the pain warranted and nobody wanted this tragedy to happen, of course, but we're able to see that something beautiful has come in from it. And does the self-esteem, that's a really interesting uh, concept that coming out of out of a a traumatic experience, we can have a self-esteem growth. Is it attached to them finding a new purpose in life? Is that what that's about? That's exactly it, right? They feel that there's there's a sense of something that that's driving them forward and that they're able to help others through this. And, you know, one of the things I was most concerned about when doing this research, I've seen how this is has impacted my family's life. Being asked to share your story over and over again can be traumatizing in its own right. But when folks are able to be in the mindset of, you know why I'm doing this to help other people and they see the reward in that, there is that, that heightened self-esteem as well as that just as you mentioned, that deeper sense of purpose and direction. So powerful, you know, not just because I think it would be easy for many of us to just curl up in a ball and go hide in our basement for the next one, two, three, five years and, and turning this, this traumatic circumstance into a positive to help others. That's beautiful. Uh, you know, you've talked also about personal development and, and for yourself and helping others. How is personal development a part of your journey of growth? Yeah, well, John, I was that person crawling up in a ball all last year. And I know that's probably, I don't want to say it's hard to believe, but I work for Disney. I always got a smile on my face. So I think I had a really hard time accepting the fact that I was, I was in a lot of pain and I was really unhappy with my circumstances. So the biggest thing for me for on my personal development journey here has been that I've taken the time to learn from others about how they've walked through life's most challenging moments 
And in doing so, I've been able to learn about what works for me. And, you know, I've often related the lessons that I've learned from the 9-11 surviving children as going to pick out the perfect outfit, right? The beauty is that I've gotten to pick which tactics work best for me and find the ones that fit perfectly. So, you know, you know that sometimes you need the perfect shoes or the perfect belt or the the right accessory (laughs) to go with the outfit. It's the same with finding what tactics work for you, for your, you know, path towards growth and recovery. And the awesome thing is they work best when they're put together, um, when they complement each other. And you know what? If I decide in six months that this tactic isn't working, great. I can, I can shed that pair of earrings, you know, and move on to the next. And that's the beautiful thing that I've learned as well as giving myself a lot more grace in exploring, you know, how I'm feeling in this moment, being okay with not being okay, which was something that I, I was not okay with. I was not okay. And really I'm, I'm not completely recovered if I'm being honest, but I was not okay being not okay. And the biggest thing I've learned on this path is that we need to be okay with that. And we need to be accepting of ourselves, no matter where we are, are on the journey. It's okay not to be okay. Uh, I really appreciate that. And this, this concept of, I hear a lot about self-awareness in here and sort of taking that time to reflect and really think about how I'm feeling and why. And I really appreciate the fact that this roadmap you talk about in your book is there is no one size fits all here, right? There's a number of ways to work your way through this, but I think you know, what would you say are the ways people get to those solutions? How do they get there if maybe they are struggling and they're on their own? Yeah, there's a few things that I've pulled away as like the biggest takeaways from the 9-11 surviving children. Uh, the biggest thing is surrounding yourself with people who care and can help you. Um, what I've seen in the folks that have been the most successful is that they had incredible support systems. So for the 9-11 surviving children, their surviving parents, I always say, are the hidden heroes because even in their midst of their own pain, they were doing everything they needed to, to make sure that those kids, now adults, were able to really thrive in their environment. Um, and so finding those people, even if they don't understand your circumstance, just those people who are going to be there with you in that moment. And then as well as finding professional help, if you can, um, and I know, you know, there's a lot of privilege in being able to afford proper health care and mental health, but therapy is an important part of this path to recovery. And I encourage it for everyone. Another piece um, is, you know, it sounds simple, but making sure to document the things that you're grateful for in a day, it may sound like it's oversimplifying it. And I don't want to promote toxic positivity because this is not what this is. But what I found is that folks who spend just 10 minutes a day at the start of their day, taking inventory of at least three things they're grateful for. Even if it's, I heard the birds chirping today, right? There were days where I woke up where that was the best thing I could write down, but still getting yourself into that mindset, it is a practice and it is a habit. And if you take the time to start reworking your thought patterns, you'll find that no matter your circumstances, you have an opportunity to live a, a joyful life. There's positive and beautiful things all around us, right? And sometimes we might just need to take a step back and and look for them sometimes. They're not always sort of right in front of our face. And I I love this idea of journaling and taking some time to reflect. Uh, And this, I really appreciate your message around, you know, go seek help and it might, you don't, you don't have to pay for it. It, Go find someone you can just go talk to, Uh, you know, it's going to get better, but it's hard to do it on your own for sure. 
I also hear a story in there of empathy and, and, you know, you talked in your book a little bit about empathy training, you know, um, what would you like to listeners to know about empathy? Yeah. The biggest thing I'd love for everyone to know is that empathy is an emotion. So when we talk about folks who are empaths, uh, they are typically those who are emotionally invested in the the circumstances of others. And I know I'm like this, you know, I, I am extremely emotional when I hear bad things happening to other people, even if they live thousands of miles away and I don't know them. Um, but the thing is, is that empathy, it's not something that you can make other people feel, right? And so what empathy training can do is take the, em- the emphasis off of the emotion and give people the skills to care for people. So even if you're not feeling it, you can put the practices into place. I often hear the fake it till you become it, right? Um, We know that our body language and and things of that nature, they can become uh, muscle memory for us. This is the same thing. Um, Once we take the time to build this habit and we're put in a place where we can practice uh, what it means to care for others, then we can create repeatable lifelong practices when interacting with others who are going through challenging times. And what, could you give us an example of what practicing might look like? What, what do I need to do to practice empathy? Yeah, a really great exercise that I love uh, to do at work as well. I work with um, global teams from all around the world. So we're completely virtual. We speak different um, uh languages are our first language. I mean, there's just a lot of things that might be coming up and seem like they would be cultural barriers that have actually um, created a very diverse platform for us at uh, where I work. And one thing that I've always done when starting with a new team is taking some dedicated time to just walk in the other person's shoes. And so that means sitting with that person, um, asking a few key questions about their culture, their, their beliefs, what's their favorite food, like taking the time to get to know the person as an individual, rather than just someone I work with and needs to get a job done has made the bond between the people I work with that much stronger. Um, and also have made me a better advocate for people when things aren't maybe going as we expected. So because I'm able to understand, you know, there's so many times in the past where I've been like, what is taking this person so long? They (laughs) don't know X, Y, Z. When the reality is they could be sitting there saying the same thing about me. And that's not really fair, right? Because there's a lot going on in all of our worlds. But as I've taken the time to know the people, to understand their roles and understand what they're going through, I'm able to say, you know what? It's not that easy. The, the per, what per, this person is coding is way more complicated than I could ever understand. And then I'm able to help advocate that for others. And that's just one way I've seen that uh, play out in the workplace. And I think there's countless other ways we could be implementing this practice in our schools and in our communities as well. I love that this idea is clearly not just linked to 9-11 and 9-11 survivors, but certainly a key part to your story and that we can apply it in so many parts of our lives. And uh, this concept you shared, you know, walk a mile in their shoes or, or you know, just getting to understand them better and where they're coming from. We all wake up and face the challenges we face every day, don't we? And if if we just assume that everyone's fine and just not doing something because they don't want to do it, right, uh, or not understanding their perspective, we can really run into some some challenging times. What a great message to get out there, not just for helping people with post traumatic stress disorder, but also you know the corporate and, and work environment. Uh, what an unbelievable story uh, tied to unfortunately a tragedy, but sounds like you and your husband have learned and grown so much from it. When you think about your uh, 
your book journey, uh, Peyton, what's an unexpected positive you found just from going through this experience and, and writing your book and getting it published? You know, I think one of the biggest things is the way that I've been able to connect with others who are going through challenging moments or just others who are interested in writing and want to learn more about that journey. Um, I just never imagined being able to have this type of community around me. Um, just even in in our cohorts within the, the Creators Institute, uh, my um, editor connected me with someone who is going to be in a 9-11 play and asked if I can come and speak to her cast about wow. my book and just about my family's experience. And you know, to know that there's other people who care about this and who or who are going through infertility like me, I just think the more I've opened up and shared parts of this journey, whether from writing the book or just living life, uh, the more I found that others are out there struggling. And it never makes me feel happy that other people are struggling too, but there is strength in numbers and there's a, a lot of beauty in learning from one another and helping each other on our path. What a powerful message, you know, the, the power of community, right? And the yeah. book's getting written in the, right? You think of all these movies where the author goes out to a cottage in the woods and disappears <laughs> for a year, right? And writes this thing all by themselves. And here, what a different experience where you had this cohort of a couple hundred people and got to know others and create this networking environment, learn from each other and, and provide, maybe even create opportunities for each other. That's really powerful. Uh, you know, when you think about your book, Peyton, what would you say is a key message or lesson you hope readers could take away if, if they do read your book? Or I should say my, when they read your book. Yeah. <laughs> um, my hope for this book is that it's not just a look back at 9-11. I think you you mentioned that already, that yes, it's sort of encompassing these stories, but a, a broader look into how it can impact everyone. Um, and that it's really that glimpse into how people affected by enormous tragedy pick up the pieces and move forward. And the 9-11 surviving children, they're living proof that all of us can do this and tap into our best selves. And even if you haven't been personally affected by 9-11, these lessons, they apply to all of us. And I just hope that we're all able to see what it means to bounce forward after a tragedy, recognize that our past doesn't define us, and that we all have the opportunity to rise from the ashes. Recognize that our path doesn't define us. I, I really appreciate that. And that really speaks to the global nature of your message, which is this doesn't, this isn't a book just for 9-11 survivors. It's about so many tragedies we see in our lives, unfortunately. And I really appreciate your concept of thinking about, let's try to find something positive every day. Every day. If we look for it, we'll find it. But we have to be intentional about it. And I really appreciate that that part of your story. Uh, you know, Peyton, if people want to learn more about you and your book, where, where might they go? Absolutely. So you can find more about the book at www.peytonlynch.com. And if you're interested in learning about the book, but also, you know, some of my personal antics and travels, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Peyton Meets World. I've seen some of your personal antics on Instagram. <laughs> love the Airstream trailer. Uh, such a, a beautiful vehicle. And I love that you guys roll that all around the country. Uh, Peyton, thank you so much for being on the show. That was my pleasure, John. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Rise from the Ashes, Stories of Trauma, Resilience, and Growth from Children 9-11 will be available late this summer, 2021, wherever you buy books online. I'm your host, John Saunders. Keep moving forward. 